0: because I didn't get it from my instructor and it'll give it to you. And then I could say, I still don't get it. Can you give it to me as if I'm a high schooler and it'll give it to you. I still don't get it. Can you explain it to me as if I'm in elementary school? Oh, okay, now I understand. Now let's go back up. Again, I'm so empowered now as that student because I have this AI that I can use to take more control of my own education in conjunction with my classes and I can become that much better of a student. So again, this is a powerful tool that's going to really enhance education If we approach it in the right way, we think about it in broader terms than just, oh, assignment, assessment, and that's it. There's so much more to this, for sure.
2: I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. For a little context, if you didn't have a chance to catch part one with Brent Anders last week on the Digital to Learn podcast, please go back and listen. Let's jump back in. Going with this, it's a tool, not a person mm-hmm. idea. We have faculty who are currently coming up with policy statements similar to what you described earlier, really excited about opportunities yeah. and the redesign of courses, but just for the immediate future coming up with some statements to put in courses. And one of the things that's unclear right now is when it comes to citing or acknowledging the use. At minimum, they'd like students to acknowledge that, yes, I used a tool like ChatGPT for my submission
1: mm-hmm. at
2: minimum. And in some cases, they're considering asking students to cite chat gpt i've seen people go back and forth it's not a person can it be cited chat gpt says it can't be (laughs) it shouldn't (laughs) be cited right on another prompt it said it can be and it gave me an mla format so just we're kind of in the weeds here but what have you heard and and what are your thoughts about acknowledging and citing chat gpt at least the way that it stands today
0: yeah. So I and I've had the same experience where I've asked it the same type of questions and it gives me different responses. The way that I view it very much, and this is one of the analogies that I have in describing ChatGPT, is hey, it's kind of like Wikipedia, right? So with Wikipedia, well, I can't cite Wikipedia. I mean, you could, but that's a very non-academic thing, right? I always tell my students do not cite Wikipedia. Why? Because it can change. It can change from day to day, just like ChatGPT. Now, I always tell them, hey, Wikipedia, that's a great tool. Go there, look at the information, and then look at the bottom to see what are the sources of information. In there, there will probably be some nice gems that you can use, but you need to look it up, you need to check it, you need to verify, and then use these good actual academic sources. So in the same way, I see ChatGPT as, well, it's a tool, it's a resource that can help you, that can help you organize, put things together, but to cite it? I I don't think it is the best route. Now, if instructors want to say, well, I want to know if they use it. Okay, go ahead. Tell them that that's a requirement. Well, first of all, tell them that, okay, for this assignment, you can use it or you can't use it. And then if they want, they can say, yeah, I need you to tell me if you used it and for what parts, why? They need to be ready to say why, right? They need to have thought that through. Why do you want to know? What are you assessing me on? I had this debate earlier with someone else as well. I want you to give me an in class presentation on democracy right and that you're going to be up there with two other people and you're going to be giving me that presentation. Okay, so you know work with your group to come up with what you're going to be talking about. Okay, if i'm a student i'll be like no problem i'll get out my chat GPT. Here's everything here's what we're going to talk about i'm going to ask it hey i'm giving a presentation, can you break this up so that. The three of us can do, and it'll totally break it up for you, right? So it's doing a lot of great work to help you organize. I go up there, I give my presentation with my buddies. We give a great presentation. And now my instructor says, hey, no, I'm going to take points off because you use ChatGPT. Okay, why are you taking points off? What are you assessing me on? You said, and in your rubric, it talks about the assessment being my presentation, my presentation skills. Did I get proper information? Is it reliable information? So what is it that you're assessing me on? Are you assessing that I use this tool or not? Well, if that's not in the rubric, then guess what? Then you shouldn't be assessing me on that. So that's one of the big things that I'm dealing with is that some instructors are just seeing, oh, it's AI, then it's automatically cheating. Nope, it's just a tool. How are we using that tool? If you think that for your instruction or for your assignment, you don't want them to do it that way, you want them to do it in this way, okay, well, then there needs to be proper reasoning and logic for that. This goes back to things that have always been happening with us in academia, right? I mean, you talk about Socrates, Socrates being mad at people when they come to hear him talk. Hey, what are you doing? You're writing this down. You're taking notes. That's not allowed here. You're not using your mind properly. If you're taking notes, that's what Socrates said, right? And then even at this university, I went around and I asked people about, you know, this transition to AI. And one instructor said, yeah, This reminds me about when I turned in my thesis at this university, I had to redo it. And I was like, what, you had to redo it? He's like, yeah, they made me turn it in, in handwriting. Typed it out and they wouldn't accept it because it had to be handwritten. That was a requirement. What, why? Well, because they felt that that was an important aspect of you being able to write it out properly. That was a key skill that you needed to have. So you see how (laughs) what we focus on, right? I remember where it was also like that where, hey, to be a good writer, you needed to properly have good penmanship. That was an important skill of being a good writer. You're not a good writer unless you have good penmanship. So you see how these analogies and comparisons change, right? They develop. And it's important for us as instructors to really think about and understand, well, what is it that I'm actually assessing them on? And if it's that important for them not to use AI, okay, that's fine. Just have reasons for it. And, you know, tell that to your students crystal clear so that they know that they can't and the reasons why and understand what is in that student learning objective and that outcome. What is it that you're trying to get at? And is AI part of that? Is it not part of that? That should be the important thing to understand.
2: That's good. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is high order think, stuff, right? <laughs> I know
2: I think you want to respond quickly and not be behind, and you want to come up with a policy statement at least initially and then explore this in more depth mm-hmm. and rebuild your course design. But that policy statement is harder to launch than it seems. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're doing it across courses and not on a course by course basis yeah. if you're you know hoping for consistency across courses. It's going to be difficult to find a statement that works.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've been telling instructors that, you know, everything I do, everything I push is to give them power, the instructors. The instructors choose. But just like with anything, when I teach in the military, I used to teach soldiers how to be instructors, right? Mm. And I said, one of the big things to understand is that there needs to be good reasons for why you're doing anything. Why are you doing this? If you have a policy in your syllabus that says something about you know, you're not allowing them to use AI. That doesn't make any sense. Who are you to tell me what I can do in my off time? AI is so powerful and chat GPT specifically can help in so many different ways. It's not just about creating the assignment or answering this question that you're asking me to do on this assignment. It's about so much more. Oh, you're teaching me physics. Guess what? I just had a class and you were talking about the third law of dynamics way over my head. I can go then to chat GPT and say, hey, can you explain the third law of dynamics for me? Because I didn't get it from my instructor and it'll give it to you. And then I could say, I still don't get it. Can you give it to me as if I'm a high schooler? And it'll give it to you. I still don't get it. Can you explain it to me as if I'm in elementary school? Oh, okay, now I understand. Now let's go back up. Again, I'm so empowered now as that student because I have this AI that I can use to take more control of my own education in conjunction with my classes and I can become that much better of a student. So again, this is a powerful tool that's going to really enhance education if we approach it in the right way and think about it in broader terms than just, oh, assignment, assessment, and that's it. There's so much more to this, for sure. On
2: Twitter, you've been sharing ChatGPT tips of the day. Can you share a few of those tips with us here?
0: Sure, sure. You know, I recently, towards the beginning of the semester, I had a certification course. I like to do the certification course for instructional design. So this is why I invite any instructor, whether they're new or have been here a while, to come through. It's just a three-day course, but it's intensive because it's like three or four hours a day for three days. And it's a certification course on instructional design. And in there, I talk about hands-on student-centered instruction, right? Because a lot of people like to revert to lecturing. So when I go there, I show them all the different types of different pedagogies, different techniques, and I have this nice little visual, it's a continuum. So it's like steps, right? You have just asking a question every few minutes at the lower end. Well, now you're making it more engaging, more student-centered, and then it progresses more having class discussion, having debates, having games, having simulations, role play. So now you're progressing up. So in the same way, I try to do that with chat GPT. One of the tips of the day is to simply have a session where, okay, class, now we're going to use AI. So we're going to use AI today, and we're going to come up with questions about the topic that we've been learning, come up with questions, and we're going to pose it to the AI. So, you know, let's say we've been learning about chemistry and about compounds and What causes this reaction? Let's pose that to ChatGPT. So we ask ChatGPT this question in class and ChatGPT gives us this response. Well, now we can discuss this. What do we think about this response? Was it correct? Did it correctly answer all of our questions? Oh, what about this response? That's clearly wrong. Why do you think it's wrong? What's wrong about it? It Does several things. One, it's already engaging and it's dynamic and it's motivational because we're using AI cutting edge stuff. This is great. This makes the class that much better. But we're also teaching this AI literacy, slowly integrating it into this class about, hey, this is how you use the AI like ChatGPT. This is some of the limitations of it. This is how it can be used to help you answer questions. We're using it for this, we're not using it for that. So again, slow incorporation is one way to, again, and that was one of the tips there for that.
1: You mentioned earlier that ChatGPT only goes up to 2021.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Do you anticipate a day when it will almost refresh every single day?
0: Yes. And so a big part of that, and this is kind of goes to like future predictions, right? But right now we're starting to see the beginning of what some people are calling the AI wars. So you have things like Microsoft saying, hey, we're getting ready to release Our integration of ChatGPT into our search capabilities. And we might also be integrating it into Office. Oh, Google hears that and and is like, What? You're doing that? Okay, you know what? We're releasing one really soon. It's called Bard. And uh, we're going to release that and it's going to be integrated into our search engine. And then another AI, which is called Claude, and that was from former employees and engineers from OpenAI. They have a new one and they're going to be coming out and they're saying it's a It's just like chat gpt but better so yeah because of these wars from everyone competing against each other for our time they're going to have to do things like have more features one feature will definitely be oh up-to-date information so it's funny i just posted this on twitter so when google just announced this as far as they're getting ready to release their new system here soon They said that you'll be able to use it to ask the AI questions about, you know, the recent telescope that went up and all its discoveries. All those discoveries happened right after 2021. So that was a little nod to ChatGPT that, hey, you're outdated. You're going to be outdated as soon as ours comes out, right? Because it is going to be refreshing so much faster, so much newer. So that's going to be definitely a competing thing. Other things like features such as, and ChatGPT is looking into this one about simply being able to talk into it and say in conversational English, the question that you want to ask, and then it can reply to you as well. There's also going to be a sort of a joining together of all these other AIs in that one AI will be able to access and use other AIs, such as being able to go from text to audio, from text to video, from text to imagery, all by just speaking in there, as well as going backwards. So I could go from video To text, meaning that I could tell ChatGPT, hey, this audio of this awesome podcast, tell me what happens in it, summarize it for me, and it'll be able to do it. So not just a transcription, but a full summary and understanding of what occurred there, and then give it to me that way. Yeah, lots of new features and powers that'll be definitely coming out this year. And we didn't even talk about the new language model, right? So ChatGPT, its capabilities, which are tremendous, is based off of GPT 3.5. Well, GPT-4, the brand new language model, which is supposed to be something like close to 100 times more powerful, is supposed to be coming out before summer. So that's going to change the whole dynamic of its capabilities as well. So many new possibilities in the future.
1: So when you talk to people about this topic, generally, do you find them to be curious, skeptical, or angry, or all of the above?
0: Yeah, full spectrum, full spectrum. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have one instructor that I'm hoping to do a video with, He's a lecturer here, and he's also into philosophy and ethics, so I really want to get his take on it. And he already told me, he's like, oh, yeah, we're not using ChatGPT at all in my class. I forbid it in my class. And so, you know, we have this back and forth as far as like, well, why are you doing that? What is the purpose? His big point is about skill mastery, skill mastery. And I agree with him, like skill mastery, that's the foremost important thing. Students need to have a basic understanding of how to do something before they then go in and put in AI to help them with it. But that's in to help them with completion of it. But to help them understand, to help them practice, to help them go through with it. Oh man, AI has so many capabilities there. So I had this one emotional confrontation with one instructor who was very upset about this whole AI when I was explaining it to him. And he was, you know, upset that we're taking the soul out of education, we're taking everything out. And he's like, there's no use for AI. And I told him, I said, well, let me give you an example here because he taught uh, essay writing. And I said, you know, one of the important parts in the seven step writing process for writing an essay is that you want to do proofreading. Well, if I'm a student and I'm working hard and I don't have someone, I don't have a buddy with me right then that can get a second pair of eyes on my essay, I could totally give it to ChatGPT. Say, hey, ChatGPT, I don't want you to change my essay. All I want you to do is proofread it and then give me sort of an evaluation, like tell me, does it sound right? Is there problems with it? Like a proofreader would do. And ChatGPT can totally do that. It can totally function as this person that'll give you just what you're asking for. So not to rewrite it, it's still all mine, but it's gonna identify certain things and say, hey, you're using too much slang. This doesn't make any sense here. It can give you that type of feedback. And again, that's not cheating. That's not violating. That's not plagiarism. That's just again an enhancement tool for that student.
2: This is really pushing us, as the pandemic did, to innovate and to adapt quickly. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of, you know, pessimistic reactions, but I am excited too to see what people come up with. I've been seeing, also being passed around on Twitter and LinkedIn, a little bit of an emphasis on the. I think it's an eye search paper. Different. Writing prompts and ways to approach essay writing that take into account chat GPT but are different from our common mainstream approach right now. so
0: yeah, plus, I mean this is such an opportunity because writing is extremely important. I write a lot as well, so students do need to understand that, but at the same time, this is such a new cutting edge technology. If we can incorporate it and use it in a way that enhances the overall process, students will be that much more Motivated, that much more engaged to actually go through it, especially if they can use it at certain points when it seems more logical to enhance their capabilities. It's just a, again a great opportunity. It's an exciting new world for sure. It is. It is. It is.
2: One of the things that we do on Digital Learn podcast is we end by asking our guests to make some predictions and whether or not you choose predictions within the scope of AI and higher ed is completely up to you. I know there's plenty of other things going on in higher ed beyond AI too. So what predictions do you have for the future of teaching and learning in higher education?
0: Yeah, uh, I think assessments are going to continue to improve. Again, it goes back to what are we really teaching them and what are we really trying to assess? So more of an understanding of that. I've always thought that there should be hands-on application in order to properly assess somebody. Again, that just goes back to basics of structural alignment within a course, course alignment. So that's important. I think that's gonna continue to develop in education as we have more AI integration. I think our techniques of writing, we still need to have that skill mastery, but AI is gonna be so integrated in the future that it's not gonna be a question of well, did you use AI to write this? It's going to be like, well, of course you did. Like, of course you used AI. It would be illogical not to have used AI. Now it's still going to be, I still need to have that AI literacy. I can't turn in anything that's just written by my AI. I still have to go through and verify and check. So that's going to be the big thing. And I think we're also going to focus on that more in the future, Mm
2: -hmm. as far as
0: instruction, this critical thinking aspect of You still need to verify and check. You know, there was an article written, I can't remember the author's name, but he was talking about how we're going to become prompt editors. We're going to become post editors as opposed to generators to begin with. Now, some people don't like to hear that, but that's an aspect of that. Write me a rough draft of that. So that's a starting point for me. And then from there, I'll go through and modify and adjust. So I think those are going to be some of the new realities in the future, simply because the thing that sells the most always is time. If I can buy time, I'm going to spend money on it. I'm going to pay for convenience. I'm going to pay to get more time so I can do what I want over here. And AI is going to do that. AI is going to be able to give you more time because it's going to be able to do more of these other tasks that, oh, I need to write an email for this. Hey, AI, write me this email. Boom, here it is. Now I just got to check it. Okay, send. So that type of thing, that's going to be, you know, and I say that, and again, academia maybe doesn't like to hear that as much, but these are going to be the real world skills that students will have to know when they go out there into the business world, into industry, they're going to have to know how to use that because the business is going to be, well, I don't need this report next week. I need 10 reports tomorrow. So you have to be able to use AI properly in order to be able to succeed at your job.
1: As you were describing that, I was thinking of Grammarly. I often say, Grammarly has made me a better writer. (laughs) That can range from word choice to grammatical things, but it also recommends entire sentences that it rewrites in a different format differently than I would have phrased them. So that's already happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if you're using regular Grammarly or Grammarly Premium, because in Grammarly Premium, it does even more. So yeah. 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 So the only other big thing is, again, the AI wars. There's going to be so much happening. They're talking about 2023 being the year of AI. So many things occurring, so many competitions. So There'll be so many new features and possibilities occurring. So definitely keep an eye out. Try to stay up to date with so much of this new stuff happening.
1: Well, it has been great fun having you on the podcast. Learned so much today and, and you've given us so much to think about. So we'll have to have you back in the near future to give us an update on all of these developments.
0: Sure, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome.
1: So go give that voice of yours a little rest. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brent. Brent. Hey, thank you.
2: And to all of our listeners, you can catch resources and links for the work of Brent Anders on the digital to learn website and on our social media, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Join us next week for a new conversation, new topic on the Digital to Learn podcast. We'll see you then.
1: Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn.
2: If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future.
2: Always keep learning.